Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MACD Career Conversations podcast, where normally we talk to career people about their careers, but today we are talking to career people about bad career advice. What is traditional career advice that we need to stop giving as a whole? And in turn, what advice should we be giving instead? So as always, I'm David Driver, your host, and I have three wonderful guests, again, veterans of the show. Uh, from all different kinds of time zones here in Canada. So I will start out west. Candy, do you want to introduce yourself from the Pacific time zone? Hello, everyone. Greetings from uh, beautiful British Columbia. Uh, my name is Candy Ho, and uh, currently I am the chair of CEREC, and I hold teaching positions at Kwantlen Polytechnic University, uh, University of the Fraser Valley, and uh, Douglas College, all teaching career or and, and career development practitioners. So Thank you for having me here and happy to be a veteran podcast interviewee. Thanks. There you go. If you are on the show at least 10 times, you get a free submarine sandwich. So you're on Thank your you way. Thank you for that. You're on your way, definitely. <laughs> Karen, fellow Central Time Zone E, please introduce yourself. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Karen Birch. I am the Director of Education and Training with Resource Assistance for Youth in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Thanks for joining us in the arguably best time zone, the central one. So there you go. Uh, and all the way from, is it Atlantic? Is that right? Mm -hmm. The Atlantic time zone. Emily, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I feel very lucky to be amongst these voices here today, Karen and Candy and David. Thank you for having me. I'm Emily Worthen. I'm a project associate at the Canadian Career Development Foundation, and I work on projects that you may be familiar with uh, in Motion Momentum, the uh, Canadian, not Canadian, hold on, Career Development Professional Center and uh, the Nova Scotia Responsive Career Pathways Project that doesn't have a name yet. So it's a little bit about me. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, so yeah, the format idea for this episode is um, when I was coming up for panel ideas for episodes, I thought this was very easy. <laughs> this was very low hanging fruit because uh, I think we in the industry, we have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to uh, half-baked advice or even just straight up bad advice. Um, so just talking about what we see out there that what we think is bad career advice. And again, I do want to clarify that it could what we think is bad, but it could be outdated advice. It could be generic advice. It could be advice that just needs more detail or more nuance, right? Um, but definitely we can clarify that as we go. But then I, I put our names in a random generator to select who goes first, who goes second, third, and last. And Emily, you have the honors of going first, so saith the name generator. So Emily, what do you think is bad career advice that we need to stop giving? I think this one I see repeatedly, and it's probably something we've all talked about a lot, uh, is the fact that you need to get a degree to get anywhere in life or find a job of any consequence when it comes to making money and working in nonprofits and post-secondary environments, I have repeatedly seen either students or clients who have started education, um, who were not ready in fields that they were not interested in simply because they had to, because people in their lives were telling them that it was the only way to be successful. And there can actually be quite a bit of damage done when that happens, because it prevents people from launching um, the right way or the way that they need to launch. So that's where I'm starting with bad career advice. And what uh, what would you flip that as? So if you're saying you don't need to get a degree, how would you start? Like, where would the journey then take that person in terms of exploration or in terms of alternatives? Well, 
This connects to another piece of advice that I have written down, which is if you take a gap year, you'll never go back. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge advocate for gap years. So mm. I think that I've seen some really powerful programming out there for gap years. I've watched some students take a year to just do self-exploration and participate in career programming and then launch in whatever way makes sense for them based on that exploration. Um, so. I think that really it's not necessarily about getting a degree. It's about taking the time to build the foundation of self-reflection and self-knowledge um, based on your interests and values and strengths to then make an informed decision into what you might like to start with. Because the also the, also, the idea is just what do you want to do right now? It doesn't have to be what do you want to do forever, which is another whole conversation entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Candy or Karen, did you have any insight to that? Any tweaks you wanted to make or you agree completely? I I completely agree. Um, and I, I know Emily and I have talked about this for years in the work we were doing in Winnipeg. There is so much value to entry level work and work that does not necessarily require more formalized education. And I think it's a really important thing for us as career development professionals to remember that the definition of career is different for every person. And so what I might not see as a career um, and what I may see as a more entry-level position could be a dream role for someone else. And those are things that we really want to focus on and support with for the folks that we're working with and when we're talking to job seekers. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very excellent point. Uh, what about you, Candy? Yeah, um, I say that I am in full agreement as somebody who works at three post-secondary institutions. And I think I might tweak it a little bit by saying, <laughs> you know, it's the idea that you need to be intentional about the, the career decisions that you make and know why you're making them. And yeah. choosing an educational program, credential is one of them, right? So if you do decide to pursue post-secondary don't do it for the sake of because my parents told me so, because my friends told me so. Um, it's, you know, what is in it for you that you're hoping to pursue and know that your goals and aspirations change many times over. And I say that as a student who in my undergrad probably changed my major about five times before I decided what I want to do. So, you know, just because you signed up for a program, it doesn't mean you have to stick with it. If you decide somehow like, oh, you know what, my my interests, circumstances you know, everything's changed. So you also have to adapt. And I think that think that's really important. Love the idea about gap year. I wish I had done it myself. <laughs> yeah. And there's something I want to add, because I, I kind of hear this sometimes too, where people say, they just assume or they're really encouraging people, oh, you should get your master's now. When are you going to go get your master's or you should get a doctorate or you should get this, you should get that. And sort of to Karen's point where Sometimes some, if they get like a bachelor's, like a university degree, that is an accomplishment in itself. And that is mm -hmm. something that is definitely very valuable. And again, to some people, that is a huge accomplishment. So somebody telling somebody else like, oh, if you're having trouble in the job market or you're not sure what to do with yourself, you should go get a master's. You should go get a doctorate. You know, it's one of those easier said <laughs> than done things. I would, I would definitely assume we do even have a, a doc. So for you, Candy, who has a doctorate, uh, I'm assuming that was self-motivated for you. No one told you to go get a doctor and then you just went and go and got it, right? It was something self-motivated that you saw in yourself. I'll say I took a bunch of gap years between my undergrad and my, <laughs> master, my master's and doctorate because 
I needed that self-exploration. And uh, like, I, I need to take lessons from the university of life, get some experience to inform what I wanted to do. So I would never go back for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important to have those spaces, talk to people, find mentors to to think about why why you're doing this, because getting a graduate degree, it's it's a marriage. Um, it's it's, you know, a long time investment. So you have to make sure that this is what you want. Excellent. Well said, everybody. Good job, Emily. That was a good one. Candy, you're next. So saith the name <laughs> generator. So right. what is your bad piece of advice? Thanks, name generator. Um, I have a six-year-old and um, I'm very cognizant that uh, as a six-year-old, you don't know a lot of things about the world. So one of my pet peeves, and I think I mentioned it in this very podcast with you, is um, when people ask, hey, Logan, what do you want to do when you grow up? I, um, I, I have to have an intervention with the person who says that. Um, and, you know, basically an infomercial of why that question is bad when you ask young people, not not just little kids, but, you know, students in their in, in university, when I run into them, that they feel they have to have it all figured out. Um, when we in the career development world, we live and breathe this stuff. We don't know all the occupations of the world because they are, we're continuing to invent them. Jobs become obsolete, new jobs pop up all the time. And so, Part of it is um, you're putting a lot of pressure on um, on youth in thinking that they need to know when they don't. And then the other thing is, um, do we all truly really know, right? And so like the flip side of that is um, instead of asking more open, expansive questions like, hey, what are you interested in these days? Uh, what have you, you know, spending all your time doing? And for my son, for instance, like he can spend hours um, doing Lego, but, you know, minutes of, of unfocused um, attention on homework, right? Oh, homework. Oh, yay, Lego, things like that. So, you know, being uh, a parent or family member of um, young children, starting to notice these things and point out patterns to them to say, you're, you're really good at this. So pointing out strengths, pointing out their learning, and then helping them engage in that reflective process. Um, and then throughout the, the years as they grow, help them continue to make make good life decisions, make good career decisions. Uh, Emily, did you have any thoughts on that? Did you agree or any tweaks? No, I wholeheartedly agree with, with that question. Um, just makes my skin crawl because I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. How is a six-year-old supposed to know? And uh, I'm pretty sure I know lots of people who are in the later stages of their career who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Who says we have to grow up? Also, I don't like that notion. And it's okay <laughs> to not grow up. Yay. Right? Um, but I think it just, Candy, it kind of links to what you said earlier when we were talking about, you know, the idea that you have to get a degree right away uh, is your goals change throughout life. And one of my favorite ways to think about this is, how many people, we always ask, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, let's flip that question on its head. Look back five years. Could you have ever anticipated that you would be where you are now? And 99% of the time, in some way, shape, or form, people are like, no way. Yeah. Five years ago, I was in Winnipeg. I don't even know if I had been at MITT yet with you, David. Like, I'd, I, And could I envision myself being in Ottawa and then Halifax and then now at CCDF? Absolutely not. And so if we can't, if we look back five years and can't even comprehend how we ended up where we are now, 
how on earth are young people or any people supposed to answer the question, what do you want to be? You know, it just, and who says you have to be one thing? Like, that's just so limiting. And people get paralyzed and don't move forward in any way in their careers because of the paralysis that they can't decide what they want to be. And it's a permanent decision. I see it really often with youth and it can be so unpowerful to unpack that and help them understand you don't have to make a, a, like, this is not a decision that you have to make now nor ever. And you can see the, once they start to understand, you can see the relief and then they build momentum from there. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Karen, did you have any thoughts, additions, tweaks? I wholeheartedly agree. And I wish that I had that advice when I was growing up. (laughs) I was definitely one of those youth who ended up on a trajectory specifically based on a very a set of skills that were not necessarily transferable elsewhere. And then when I ended up going to university, I was kind of paralyzed because I didn't know what to do. I had all of these new interests and all of these new ideas for what I wanted. But then I had this idea in my head that I had to stick with something else. Um, And it ended up taking quite a while for me to recognize that actually I didn't have to stick with that or I could have multiple careers or I could utilize my skills and strengths in different ways. Um, So I really appreciate that you mentioned this because now that's something that we really try to carry out with all of the youth we work with is you don't have to have a set idea and you can have a million and one different skills and strengths and we can help you hone in on that. But those ideas can change over time. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and, and just an amalgamation of what you all said, because with you, Emily, yeah, it's just a matter of like, if you think about like 10 years ago, where you were, what you thought, what you were interested in, it's probably completely different today. And it's, you can't even imagine 10 years from now, where you'll be, what you'll think, what you want. So yeah, to to ask it, like in Candy's example, a six-year-old, someone very young, it's definitely, you know, a very foolish question in terms of what do you want to be? Like, they they don't know anything. There's just a very small baseline. It's a very narrow world at that point. And sometimes that world doesn't even expand until 10 years later, 20 years later. And then in some cases, it may never expand until much, much later, right? So, and yeah, I totally agree with what you all said, because it's it's way better to follow your interests. It's way better to follow your desires, because there's just so much happenstance that comes with the career, right? Left turns, right turns, upside downs. And again, Karen, to your point, it's that, you know, we're all in career, we're all doing currently what we're doing. But I think we would probably all agree that we could probably be successful and fit in numerous different careers just based on our interests and our strengths and our passions and our goals, right? Like if if we had to stop being career people today, I know I have a couple different avenues that I personally would want to pursue. And I think I could be successful at it. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to be this because I am this and I want it to be this. So, and um, I, I agree. Yeah. Do you ever see that kind of stopping anytime soon? Like asking kids what they want to do? Because I don't know if anyone here has seen this. Whenever I ask kids, it's it's always YouTuber. They always want to be social media stars. I guess that's what they visibly see and all that stuff. But it's, you know, as an adult, like, you know, just behind the scenes, like how like poisonous <laughs> that path can be and how much work it really is. Like it's like sometimes 18 hour days. Uh, it's, it's insane. So um, I guess, yeah, for you, Candy, do you ever foresee us stop asking that question or really elaborating on it or? 
Yeah, well, certainly anybody who is listening to this podcast will stop asking that question. Um, but, <laughs> You're you know, forced if, to, no. Yeah. yeah, if that question gets asked, then I think you can follow up with the question, you know, what is it about being a YouTuber or influencer that interests you? And then go deeper into that response and help them unfold. Oh, you know what? It's the um, uh, being on on uh, public screen, um, and being able to share knowledge with the world and then use that to be like, oh, what what other possibilities can you think about where you can share knowledge with the world or, you know, go into learning something that you're really passionate about, right? And then going back to Emily's point, um, I don't know if any of you have seen that, um, that gif where um, somebody asked, if you were asked an interview question in 2015, the question is, um, where do you see yourself in five years? nobody would get the answer right. Yeah, I start using that in my um, class when I'm uh, teaching students how to do how, how to be good interviewees. It's hilarious, right? It still stands, even though it's three years from now. But it's the idea that nobody can predict the future. Totally agree. Excellent. Again, another good one. We've got to protect our kids from bad career advice starting today. So the name generator up next is Karen. So Karen, what's your bad advice that we need to stop giving? Don't dedicate your entire life to your career, especially when you're early in figuring out what you want to do. I think it's so important when you're navigating your new passions and where you want to go and you're building those connections to always maintain a really healthy work-life balance. It's something that I talk about a lot because I'm not good at it. <laughs> but I think that as as passionate as we can be about our careers, whatever they may be, it's important to remember that our careers support us to have a good life and to support ourselves and those around us. Um, and being mindful of that is always an important practice so that we don't get burned out and we don't lose sight of the things that are really important to us. And again, especially when we're starting out, because it can be so overwhelming when you're trying to make a name for yourself or connect with the right people or get that perfect job. And all of those things will happen, but it doesn't have to take 24 hours a day and it shouldn't take away from your own happiness. Boy, that's a good one. And definitely more important than ever. I think that's a really good that's a, a really a realization society as a whole is really making in terms of, yeah, just like a job's not supposed to beat you into a ground. There should be work-life balance. There should be happiness along the way. So Emily or Candy, did you have any agreements, disagreements, tweaks? Uh, well, I completely agree. And I have to say that personally, my whole identity had this huge shift about a year and a half ago when I became a mom. And my career was a huge part of my identity for a lot of good reasons. It wasn't because of the nature of our work forced it that way. It was just because I leaned in because it felt good. And I was a military spouse living in different provinces where connection with family wasn't really present. So I could lean into my career family, which I'm incredibly thankful for. And it's brought me to where I am today in many ways. But now that I'm a mom, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I need to readjust because I was spending so much time in this world and missing out on ways that I could be engaging in other aspects of my life because of that. And so sometimes I feel like this is really subconscious and we have to be very intentional in doing this and naming when it's not something we're good at. And um, 
you know, for me, it was just this little human that I want to spend as much time with as possible, who has, who has um, come into the world has made me realize, okay, I need to do less and be okay with that because it is okay. And a lot of it is reconciling with the fact that you have to be okay with it. And that can be really hard because you feel like you're not doing enough sometimes when really you are. So Karen, I'm really thankful you brought that forward because I think it's something that's resonating with me right now. And with with it's being brought forward because of the pandemic in a huge way that we need to create more balance. And there's ways that we can do that um, that we couldn't before. Yeah, well said. Dandy, agree, disagree, tweaks? Yeah, wow. Emily, every word you said resonates. And Karen, thank you so much for bringing the the advice to to light. The, the feeling of wanting to spend more time with your child doesn't change. And I think it's even more so as they grow up. So just a heads up as you look into the future. And um, I uh, maybe a slight tweak in terms of, um, I think we need to look at career. So my doctoral supervisor, Dr. Chris Magnuson, he, he defines career as a constellation of life roles that a person plays over their lifetime. And as we um, as we find ourselves out of the pandemic and adjust to that new normal, like I think that definition cannot be uh, more true in terms of wow, everything is um, coming together at the same time. When your kitchen table is also the table where your kids play, where you do some of your work, where you have dinner, it's it's blurring a lot. And so um, for, for me, like Karen, I'm like, I'm having a hard time attaining work-life balance. What it, What is that? Will that ever be? So I've recently subscribed more to work-life integration. Um, and it goes back to Emily's point of like, you know what, knowing that you are enough, um, you're doing all you can, you're doing the best you can to excel in all the life roles that we perform, which is a lot that we're taking on. I think the pandemic has brought both challenges and opportunities for us to to think about, you know, what does that mean for us in, as individuals, implications, where do we want to spend more time at? And the analogy, once again, is I'm when I'm look at it, looking at a full plate, knowing um, the people that are in this podcast, I dare say that we tend to, you know, put on very, very full plates, sometimes a plate and a half. And uh, there are times when we need to think about recalibrating, okay, how do we go back to uh, a full plate and maybe a little bit less because sometimes we need to make room for other things, fun things, right? Emergencies and 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 things like that. So yeah, that really resonates. Thank you for offering that piece of advice. Really important. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. And there's two points that I, I just want to contribute to that is that like work-life balance isn't like a yes or no. I think there's definitely a spectrum that I think people have to understand because Someone who achieves work-life ba balance, like you're saying, Candy, sometimes you can just find moments that you're slipping or find moments where it gets too far in one end and too far on the other. Um, and this is different for different people, different jobs, different circumstances, right? But I think it's it's good to be very mindful of that almost constantly, right? To make sure that you are maintaining that sort of balance. But it's not like, you know, I find a schedule that works for me. I check the box off. It should be smooth from here on out. It's like, no, there's ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs times in the year, health, all those things. So I just wanted to point that out. I don't know if anyone ever perceives that in that light, but yeah, it seems like we kind of treat work-life balance as a yes or no, but I think it is definitely like a scale. Now, if you want to add to that, Emily? No, I just want to affirm that that feels Oh, you just really, want to agree really how good. great. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and... Careful, David, don't take it too far. Hey, yes, come on, come on. 
I'm waiting for you to praise me here. And the, the second point for sure, because some, oh, this isn't my bad career advice, but some advice that I hear sometimes is that, yeah, if you're, if you feel like you ever want to get promoted, or if you feel like you ever want to get ahead in your job, you need to work more. You need to get overtime. You need to really like stand out and do the extra, right? And that's always uh, sort of in, in ties with this, right? Where not necessarily, like sometimes that could be the case, but a lot of the times to excel in your job doesn't mean you really have to, you know, put it into overdrive <laughs> and burn yourself out to try to get noticed or try to get promoted or try to achieve your goals. Usually that can be done through strategy and conversations and all those good things. So now does anybody disagree or agree with that? Just just to add to that, David, um, at a recent leadership training that I took, um, when you're talking about you know, working hard and kind of making an impact in your job. Um, one of the points that I had that I really try to hold true for the team that I oversee is as a leader, dedicate your time or as much of your kind of extra time to the staff that are doing well. Um, and it doesn't mean that those those people are going above and beyond. It's the people that you can see there's some light there and they have a really vested interest. Those are the ones that are really going to succeed. And you want to dedicate as much of your time to and find other projects and other interests that people have to support their own career development and try to spend not necessarily less time, but just balance your time with the folks that need a little bit more support in their role and make sure that it's equal with the people that are doing well. Because the ones that are doing well are are going to be highlighting their career advances and you can support that in a great way while maintaining that balance for them. Yeah, well said. So last but not least, we've come to myself. And I'm sure you could probably all say this one with me this bad career advice. If you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it kind of goes along with that whole idea of following your passion. And I think we've definitely um, articulated so far why that can be very foolish. Um, but it really sets up that that problem. Again, I'm, I'm kind of going off of your point there, Candy, where again, we're telling kids that a career should just be following your interests, following your passion, everything else will fall into place. Um, and that certainly is not the case because uh, definitely somebody thinks that a job is just having fun or a job is, again, your interest or whatever your passion is could instantly transform into a worthwhile career. So the, the kids, again, when they're growing up and they, they really like music, someone wants to be a musician. To be a musician as a personal hobby, as a passion, as, a, as being enthusiastic about music is one thing to enrich your life. It is a whole other can of worms, as we probably all know, to be a musician. To be a, a professional musician is almost a blessing. You know, It's almost winning the lottery in a lot of ways to maintain a healthy lifestyle being a musician. And again, the, the people who are professional musicians, again, students who think, oh, if, as long as I find a job I love, I'll never work a day in my life. Musicians, you know, the average length of a band or a professional musician, their, their career length may be very, very short. They may only be able to do that profession for maybe even a decade or less before they have to move on to something else just because of circumstances. So, yeah, it's the, it's the whole idea. Again, it's this is mostly aimed to children, but it's just a foolish idea to think that as long as you love what you do, you'll you'll be happy. And it's almost like saying to people, if you if you marry someone you love, 
you'll never fight. You'll never have arguments. You'll never get divorced. And again, we all know that to be in a relationship is uh, infinitely more nuanced than that. And to be in a relationship with somebody is very complicated at times (laughs) and takes a lot of work. So to simplify the idea of a career being that, oh, if I just do what I love, I've got it. There it is, is something that really annoys me. (laughs) So agree, disagree, tweaks. I mean, I I absolutely agree. If you love your job, that's amazing. And it's something that absolutely should be celebrated. But um, one of the things that I also try to challenge myself and others on is when you really love your job, are you challenging yourself to learn more? And that it's kind of when you're in that comfort zone, it can actually be a stopgap to your own success. And so finding those opportunities to get a little bit out of your comfort zone, try some different things, talk to some different people, um, plan different things in your own career or in your job, it might not be the most fun and you may not have the most enjoyable day, but that, that can always help your own skill building. The other reality is regardless of whether you're in your work life or your personal life, we all have rough days. Um, And sometimes those are very connected. We might get sick and that might make me have a really bad work day because I couldn't focus. And those things are okay. And it's okay to be real. Um, And I think it's really important to be real about those tougher moments um, with the people that you're working with so that you can create a support network for yourself and for others to acknowledge, I need a little bit of help here. I'm not having a great day. Um, and that doesn't mean that you don't love your job. It just means that things aren't always perfect all the time and perfection may not exist. Is there such a thing as a perfect job? I sure don't think so. I, 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 I haven't found it yet if it's out there. So yeah. Yeah. I think there's room for improvement and change in anything that exists on this earth. Very good. Candy or Emily? I I completely agree with this this one. And Karen, I want to pick up on something that you were saying because you were talking about being comfortable and how, you know, if you stay somewhere where you're comfortable, um you just there's just it limits your growth. And one of the pieces of advice I have written down here is uh stay where you're comfortable as being really bad mm. career advice. And I could have stayed where I was comfortable quite a long time ago and and the growth that I've had since you know, challenging myself and accepting things that felt impossible to do um, has been quite incredible. And uh, staying where you're comfortable is definitely not something I would suggest. And I can say that it's kind of unfair advice, this advice that, you know, if you find something you'll love, you'll never work a day in your life. It's really, really unfair to say that because it's not, we're not grounded in reality, if that's what we really think. It's not possible for everybody to find work that they really love. And I want to link back to something that Karen said in the very first question is everyone's definition of career is different. And the way people interact with the word career for them personally is, is a spectrum. And some people have lots going on and they want to find a job that is going to be able to get them the finances they need to put food on the table and focus on other things in their life. And this advice makes them feel less than, right? You haven't found something you love, but maybe what they're doing is actually enabling them to build a life they absolutely love. 
even though they don't necessarily love the career. Why does that, why does that have to be less than someone who is doing something that they absolutely love and are still definitely not loving every day, <laughs> by the way. Um, so yeah, I really thank you for, for bringing this one up, but it's a, it definitely resonates with me. I, cu- I couldn't help but not bring it up. I hate this one so much. So <laughs> Candy, how about you? Agree, disagree? Emily, every, every word once again resonates such a, um, yeah, bad advice we just need to abolish. I think what we're really talking about, like your professional life is only one aspect, right? It's it's about looking at your entire holistic life design. What are you putting in, in your plates that's adding value, that's bringing you joy, that's giving you that sense of purpose and growth? So to say that you, um, you know, there's the pressure of needing to find work that you you love is unrealistic and could be really harmful as well. And and David, I really like that analogy. Like, you know, when you look at career, um, your your professional life, it is it is a marriage and it's got ups and downs. There's ebb and flow. You are that advice is ignoring that you grow and change on a regular and daily basis based on the milestones that that you achieve. Um, again, life circumstances. So it is um, very bad advice to 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 get people to like you must find job that you love because your love change because of the person that you are evolving and becoming. I agree, and yeah, just to compliment again, you Emily saying that because that was something I personally went through where. I do feel like I love my job and I feel I'm accomplishing a lot there. I have been there for 11, 12 years. I'm not even too sure. I stopped counting. It's I've been very fortunate to be there for that long. But that was something that I kind of sat myself down and just had a thought exercise where like, am I happy to be here? Like, do I choose to be here? Is this something that I want or is this just something I'm comfortable with? It's just something I'm doing just because I never thought about leaving. I never thought about doing something else. So I think that's really important too, where people, if they find themselves they are happy. Again, they, they check the box that, yes, I'm satisfied. Maybe a few years later, having that same reflection and being like, is it still true? Because it can still be true. There's nothing wrong with having a long career or being at the same place for so long. But to your point, it has to be because you want it and not because you're scared to do something else or this, that, or the other. Right. So um, I think that's definitely a very good point. It ties into that as well. Excellent. Great job, everybody. I can't believe no one stole anyone else's piece of advice. That, that was <laughs> I didn't know how to do a tiebreaker in that case. I know how we were going to settle that. We can't have like a virtual fight or anything like that. So um, thank you for all reading each other's minds and playing nice. That was excellent. If anybody listening to this episode wanted to get in contact with any of you, whether that's because they love your piece of advice or they want to argue with you and say your piece of advice was bad. Uh, I'm sure no one's going to do that. Who knows? There's a lot of hoo-hahs that listen to this podcast. Let me tell you. Um, but if somebody wanted to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way to do it? So Candy, is it LinkedIn? Is it email? Yeah, LinkedIn. You can look me up. How about you, Karen? LinkedIn for sure. Same thing, Emily? I think I'll go with the flow and say LinkedIn because it is also true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So as you all know, I can't end a show without doing my very favorite thing. It is impossible trivia time. Are you guys ready? Oh, yes, sirree. Yes, sirree. This is your payment for being on the show. My question to all of you, has anyone ever been on a hot air balloon ride before? No, it's on a bucket list. Have you, David? I've never. No. What about you, Emily? No, no. No one's been on a hot air balloon. Mm -mm. Is, Is that the trivia question or like? 
<laughs> no, it gets harder from here. Um, so in 1999, the first nonstop hot air balloon ride around the planet was achieved successfully. So your impossible trivia question. You have, uh, I guess, three shots at it, right? Each one gets one shot. What was the, the duration of that trip? The first hot air balloon ride around the planet. How long did it take? A hundred days. hundred days, says Candy. Oh, I'm going to say six months. Six months for Karen. Okay. Moments like these, I really don't miss working with you, David. <laughs> um, every day, every day where I just try to stump you with dumb, dumb questions. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go in the middle and say three, three months. Three months. Maybe. You are all underestimating the power of a hot air balloon. The uh, the answer is 19 days, 21 hours, and 55 minutes was the answer. That's wow. how long the first hot air balloon trip around the planet, wow. which, which has since been conquered. There's been people who have gone around the planet faster than that since then, but that was the first one. There you go. We can, we can create room on our plate for our trip <laughs> around the world on a hot air balloon. I well, don't know. It, that sounds pretty fascinating. <laughs> people say like bungee jumping. People have a fascination with bungee jumping or like skydiving. It's mm -hmm. like, I'd, I think I'd rather go on a hot air balloon, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, everybody. And enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you. you so so much. Bye -bye. This was great. For more information on MACD, including professional development, conferences, and other opportunities, please visit our website at www.macd-mb.org.